Um, as I was saying though, this is season two, episode 15, second part of our break time series. This is another international break. I was effectively saying that earlier on, we had a great break last time round. No, I'm not muted anymore, I don't think. Um, but I'd love to I'd love to know if the chat still thinks I'm muted. Yeah, if you guys can just reconfirm now. Hopefully it'll work. Microphone variance, as they say. All good now, actually. Yeah, but as I, as I was saying, so last international break was actually quite kind to us managers because of a sort of miraculous Sterling Hall. Not so miraculous, obviously, given the fixture, which was Burnley at the time. And then obviously a lot of managers go into Salah on the wild card. This time round, I think the only managers who had a tough time purely was due to, let's say, continuing to own Haaland, uh, but actually captaining someone else, someone such as Bruno, for example, or even Saka slash Martinelli. Those sorts of players, unfortunately, that was a bad outcome. As it turns out, obviously Salah and Haaland delivered the goods in terms of captaincy. And for the people who have been wildcarding lately, you know, their captaincy was covered in that sense, but this time around a bit tougher for them. Myself, um, I'm obviously Fran or FPL underscore underscore Fran on social media on X, only one underscore on TikTok and then actually no underscores on YouTube. But I had 80 points this week, uh, was saved by a Jammy Diaby assist, had a Jammy Holland assist, which I probably wouldn't have wanted to have, um, but it's fine. It was only, I think, 10% of Holland's ownership, which was working against us. And ultimately, we, we still own 100% of Holland, which is nice at times, right? Uh, and yeah, Poro obviously getting the assist, but looking at the bench, I think everyone has Simakas, unfortunately, and that, that that was quite tough. Well, I just want to make sure, okay, I'm not muted, right? I so think Mo is saying that I'm... Apologies. Oh, okay. Lots of uh, technical oh. issues. I, didn't... I, th I, thought, I thought he was being facetious because I hadn't said anything, so I thought he was joking around that I have been muted because I hadn't said anything, but... Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, your week was uh, pretty good, and and I think mine was as well because all, both of us had uh, big green arrows. Uh, so you went from like fifty four k to forty two k, right? Uh, yeah, forty three k, I think. I'm not even exactly sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, okay. it's okay. I, I don't have a dingra. Although I'm happy, you know, I'm actually happy for all the managers who do have a dingra, to be honest, because I've I've been hyping him so much, um, and he ha doesn't have the minutes like Jao Pedro, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah. So I think the big big thing about uh, this week was obviously gaining points on people that went without Holland. And I know that um, we are supposed to care about effective points for and against, but I'm less concerned about people who captain Holland. I think that it's it would be easier to gain ranks on those people later on. I think it was more important to gain ranks on people who don't own Holland right now. Because once they uh, bring back Holland, there's going to be less scope to, like, there's going to be marginal gains left. So from that perspective, I was very happy with the game week. And as you said, Adingra, I think, finally came good after two blanks and two fixtures where I thought he would do something. But uh, Palmer, obviously, in hindsight, feels like I should have just gone there like Flapjack did. Um, it's okay. I mean, Maguire has been sensational. Uh, I can, Flapjack can attest to that. Back-to-back -back clean sheets, 4.2 million, now 4.3 million. Um, and we'll come back. Uh, we'll uh, come to the uh, the expected. What, what was it? Uh, the points distribution chart that we have, and that basically shows that I've I've had uh, much more clean sheets than than Fran has, and Fran has like a larger share of captaincy. So uh, Maguire clearly contri keeps contributing to that. And seeing Saliba and Zinchenko score wasn't 
wasn't pretty uh, especially zinchenko i you know saliba i have uh, great affection for so i don't mind saliba scoring but uh, zinchenko scoring that goal was just uh, uh, it's uh, I, I want him to be benched one of these weeks and then, you know, everything will be good because uh, people uh, with Zinchenko will get taxed on EV as well as uh, real points. And other than that, uh, I, I don't think there were any differences with, with our uh, within our, our teams, so we can probably move on to uh, what we have in store. Yeah, although I would love to second the Zinchenko point before we move on. Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> right, so this is the graphic that you were talking about, effectively. Yeah. Um, a chart really of where our points have come from. I'm obviously the the chart in blue. You're the chart in yellow. As you were discussing, a lot more clean sheets than me. Uh, I got some captaincies right. Although I think, let's be honest, my captaincies have been pretty average. Yours just have just been subpar due to some some outcomes, right? Um, you happened to captain Sun twice. Uh, that was game week eight and that was also i think game week five and those were the weeks where it made sense to sun captaincy just based on your team but things didn't yeah. turn out you know as such um whereas for me obviously you know my defense just hasn't really kicked on at all i haven't had any goalkeeper clean sheets really outside of the turner clean sheet which was such a poor clean sheet as well because i believe on that week pickford outscored him by something like three to four points and then also uh, continue to get more points after that um, the tool that we're actually using, this is obviously from fploptimize.com, so created and run by Suratalp, who is obviously fantastic. Um, this website, specifically the tool that we're using is the Season re Review Highlights tool, so all you need to do is plug in your team uh, ID, which you can find obviously on the FPL page whenever you look at, for example, your points each week, and then just plug that in, and you'll get a lot of charts that hopefully sort of uh, surmise your season. Although one thing I would say, and probably we're going to touch on this in a moment, is um, sometimes when you look at, let's say, the expectations and your performance against expectations, do keep in mind, of course, that the data is against the default minutes that are currently projected by FPL uh, reviews. I think, is it the free planner or is it the market data planner? Yeah, it's it's the free model. So obviously the EV model itself is kind of subpar when you compare it to the massive data model that review has. And on top of that, as, as Fran said, it uses default minutes, which review is not curtailing or uh, rather not monitoring himself now it's uh, rather loosely maintained now. So I would not put any weight into uh, looking at the differences on that graph because I suspect that if you take that as gospel, you might end up making some decisions that are not actually uh, optimal uh, in the long run. So so just look at maybe what reduces your variances because I still believe that that is possibly the best marker and obviously your massive data rank and, and uh, try to go from there. Yeah, second that as well. I mean, um, just looking at the chart, I suppose just on, on the sort of small edges there, goals and assists, nothing really between them. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, yeah. yeah, it's almost the same. I, I think the clean sheets one is, is the big one because as you've already pointed out to me before we started uh, streaming, uh, my Saliba clean sheet against Man City, back-to-back uh, -back Maguire clean sheets, and two Onana clean sheets before I wildcarded him out are probably the big differences. And then with captaincy, as you said, the song captaincy, um, I'm going to regret it because it lost me a lot of XG rank. I know that XG rank is not out yet, but Holland got something crazy like 3 XG, close to 3 XG, right? In that game, yeah, which is a monstrous uh, score. And I don't think it's going to be uh, recoverable from that point. on. I mean, you can recover to a certain point, but I think the damage has been done. And other than that, uh, I can 
probably the soldier on from from this point when it comes to captaincy uh, because i think uh, for few of those weeks i have been unlucky but also i mean everyone had holland captain against bournemouth so i can't i can't be complaining about that yeah agree let's just move on quickly so this was another um chart as well effect well i'm not not really a chart obviously just a, a a team distribution of my relative gain this is my team of course um and the update really from game week 9 is that you can see a lot more points have come from salah um and Bumo unfortunately now is is much less contributory to my overall relative gain since I was an idiot and dropped him on my game week eight wild card, which has honestly turned out worse and worse, right? Because when you evaluate, let's say, the minutes in hindsight of Diaby, I think considering that last week was supposed to be one again, one of those weeks for where you own Diaby and it's actually beneficial to own Diaby over Mbumo, the fact that he only clocks mm. 90 minutes, sorry, 60 minutes compared to uh Mbumo has been awful. And so Obviously, the decision to go Diaby is something I'm a little bit regretful of because it was quite clear um, that Diaby could have provided a good sort of upside option against Mbumo. But I think one of the big things when you just look at Aston Villa too is that Tillemans um, has actually done quite well recently, which has also sort of added to um, Diaby being a slightly weaker pick because previously what would happen is you would have, let's say, Zaniolo come in for Bailey, right? And that would actually just take away minutes from really... Uh, Zaniolo at 45 minutes. That was a very, very frequent substitution. But now, because yeah. Tillemans is yeah. an option, you now have actually the option to, let's say, play Bailey almost as a direct substitute for um, Diaby at times. And that's a little bit more problematic for Diaby's minutes. And going forwards, that's why I'm, I'm very keen to move out of Diaby now that Tillemans has almost you know, asserted that he actually belongs in terms of the general rotation of that team. I don't really care whether Diaby starts or not next week. It's mm. just being able to actually upgrade to someone who has 90 minutes. And obviously, hello um gave nice to see around fpl ends but that's that's one of the key things for me sort of looking at diaby and um yeah i think i've been honestly more than fortunate right because mbumo within the last few games has clocked some ridiculous xg um the most disheartening one was the tap in versus chelsea so that hurts uh but keeping pedro poro has been probably the the one thing in my team that i'm kind of happy about because it seems like he is one of those picks who oddly enough, is, is going to provide really good value for those kind of weak weeks that we have uh, in the future. And he does plug in a hole in that sense. Uh, and when I was, for example, running some wildcard drafts this week uh, on review, I did notice, for example, either Walker, James, or Poro would come up as your fifth defender. And it's quite mm. nice to, to see that I have Poro, not to mention that I've been holding Cole in my team who's done absolutely nothing. I think I've played him one week <laughs> since my Game AK wildcard. But he is going to be basically one less transfer for me, which makes me feel good. Um, but yeah, looking at the team and given the fact that all the players who've actually provided relative game to me were people that I owned before Game Week 8 isn't, isn't something that's super <laughs> exciting for my wild card. Um, so I look, I, look, I look forward to getting more points from different players that I've been owning um, as of late. Yeah, it's, I think Pedro Paulo is the only one, right, that you yeah. currently own. And, and Turner, obviously, but <laughs> Turner has lost his place. And you can see how shocking that is as well, because oh, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. effectively played Turner for, what, two weeks? Yeah. 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 All right, let's move on quickly to yours. Yeah, so mine is obviously a little bit different because... Um, game... Okay, so now that Fran has mentioned it, I am now looking at my team and seeing if there are any picks post wildcard 10 that are a part of this team. And I'm glad to see that Maguire is mm. and Salah is as well. But yeah. the problem is in the context of the game week, that gain doesn't matter anything because all that did was whatever gain Salah gave me, Holland's gains have gone down by probably a similar amount on my bench. So now you can see that Holland is almost out of the, the graphic 
and I think he might be if I keep captaining people other than Holland because he's at 4.4 and I've captained him eight times out of 12, which is kind of crazy uh, and also expected, I guess, because uh, from last season's captaincy trends, you would expect that, that whenever you go against Holland, it's going to keep hacking away at, at the expected gain from him. But other than that, you know, again, Son is pre-wildcard, Mbumo obviously as similar to yours, but the only difference I guess is I got his 14-pointer against Burnley, so I am still up on Diab, Mbumo to Diab, but again, because I have to spend a transfer to get Mbumo back, and Mbumo is even more expensive now, he's 6.8, it is a net loss. Uh, Sterling is pre-wildcard, Salah is post-wildcard. Um, Trippier is another crazy one where uh, both Fran and I got him ahead of his uh, golden fixture run. And we got something crazy like 50 plus points in four weeks, that, in the weeks that we owned him. And since we have both transferred him out in game week 10, yeah, you did the same, right? That's correct. Yeah, so so game week 10, uh, he scored uh, 10 points in three weeks. So that has contributed to us having uh, good ranks, I think, some some uh, things like that. And of course, Saliba is an absolute legend, um, clean sheets. Whenever I needed him, he's, he's uh, provided with clean sheets. And now that I don't own him, he's also decided to score goals now, which is uh, which is a problem. Um, so anyway, uh, let's hope that uh, the we see more players and different players as, as the season progresses. Yeah, absolutely. And so the next sort of thing we wanted to look at really was just, given that we've gone 12 game weeks in so far, having a look at some of the leading players in terms of NPXGI. So this obviously doesn't take into account penalties. So the fact that you see penalty takers here probably just amplifies their value, if anything, because um, you could just consider them to be a, an upgrade over what where they sort of stand on this list. I think a good example of that is is definitely someone like Salah, for example, who would probably top um, you know everyone actually really if you if you took that into account. Um, well, maybe not Holland, but that's that. And then I mean, it just shows how crazy, of course, some of the picks are so far, and all of them most are forwards but we also expect that too forwards usually sort of get most of their xgi and force midfielders benefit from you know that sort of side benefit of getting more points per goals and for clean sheets as well um and, and so interesting i would say the only players that i would pick out here that no longer seem to be a part of the meta i suppose would be really jackson and isaac and, and we got some news today that wilson will be out for around six weeks time which obviously means mm. that isaac is a very very good transfer for game week 17 or even earlier if you have um, the sort of confidence in this Newcastle forward. Also, for example, just in the context that Watkins doesn't exactly have the best fixtures, like let's say um, 14, 15, 16, and then contextual, well, maybe 14, you can argue it is actually quite good. Um, it's Bournemouth, right? But then if you, let's say, take the context of, I don't know, Darwin's right there with better fixtures than 14. However, of course, rotation being a question, there is a, a scope to, let's say, go out of Watkins for a few weeks. And, and some of these players might be the, the, the choice option, right? Darwin, I think, is one of those where this is, of course, once again, per 90. So, of course, this is almost like a, a chart that is skewed towards Darwin because he lacks minutes, usually. Uh, but as we've been discussing of late, you know, uh, behind closed doors, I suppose, Darwin's minutes look very, very promising. And, you know, Klopp, Klopp has pretty much intonated as much. So what do you sort of think about the forwards right now in the landscape over there? Yeah, I think the first thing to notice is obviously Darwin is so high up that uh, as soon as he starts getting 90 minutes, anyone that owns him is going to just fly up the uh, MD ranks and XG ranks yeah, as well. Yeah. 
so and we've noticed that right a uh, few of our friends and uh, so particularly Anchbol and the second one is Luke Luke yeah. obviously has gone without Holland uh, on the game weekend wild card and he has gone with Darwin and you can see that he's reaped the benefits because he's now number 5 on md rank which which i know is a sample but also it just shows the power of having someone who is you know almost matching holland in terms of xgi but then the price difference allows you to get more players who probably have better xg numbers and then you can capitalize on that uh, it's not gone well this week but overall i think he's still pretty he's doing pretty well right he's uh, i think he's sandwiched between you and i right now in terms of rank i think he's exactly uh, bisecting our ranks i think he's at 30k so he's doing pretty well and with with jackson do you, i i know his numbers are high and they are skewed because of the spurs game where yeah i just i'm willing to completely disregard that game to be 100%. honest if, that's if, a huge outlier if i'm yeah 11, so yeah exactly so uh, i don't even want to consider that game and then the effect knock on effect of that game but even if you consider let's say you know if you are willing to give him the benefit of doubt i think the fact is as soon as nkunku is back i think jackson is more in danger than palmer of missing out so because yeah. keep, people keep mentioning about you know palmer's minutes being reduced which is a fair point uh, they they will be reduced but not to the extent i think that some people are speculating uh, especially i think people who don't want to get on uh, cole palmer uh, because now he's no longer 4.9 is 5.2 now so it it's getting more and more expensive to get i mean it's still you know relatively it's it's still very cheap to get on him but uh, where is cole palmer i think he was yeah he's uh, right eight, below callum wilson yeah which is exactly already quite we, disgusting for NPC exactly guy, considering the narrative is that he's taken four penalties right yes and and if you consider that and so let me quickly have a look at that if you consider penalties he's third on the list so he's basically behind holland and sala which is you know obviously the four penalties are a massive outlier and uh, you don't expect him to get those uh, you know recurringly but point uh, what is it point 72 is is quite impressive and if we were to consider him getting let's say 80 ish x minutes every game week uh, right now it's i think close to 90 but let's say you know if you decays x minutes to let's say uh, 75 ish by game week 20 I still think that he's a fantastic asset. It's just when do you want to buy him? Because I still think that they still have some tricky fixtures left and uh, we were talking about it earlier. I think game week 16 is probably a good time because I was thinking about for example a transfer of Diaby to Eze and then Eze to Palmer in 16. And now that is obviously given um, I'm assuming a few things. For example, I'm assuming that by that time we already find out that Nkunku is not affecting Palmer's minutes and you know the the knock on effect is not bad in terms of his positioning and another factors which obviously are intangibles so i'm not going to consider that a lot but uh, his minutes are all that matter to me if his minutes are solid i think i'll go for him uh, other than that uh, i'm trying to think of if there are any interesting outliers that uh, we can probably either go for or discount i mean joao pedro i can see joao pedro is there but uh, that's that's turned out to be I, I unfortunate the only thing i mentioned is like richarlson on 12 You know, given that he's out for a while, I think mm. you can definitely say that someone sort of replacing Richardson's position is going to definitely benefit. And Johnson, obviously, at the ridiculous price that he is, um, is definitely one of those other options. You know, as an enabler that you can actually have in the game right now, um, who I think would be very, very interesting. Um, I've seen, for example, on on, on let's say the odds model that 
um, he would be a suggested transfer as soon as, let's say, 15. Mm. So um, mm. another option, I suppose, if by then, for whatever reason, we might be a little bit lower on Palmer, or let's say you want to replace someone like Gordon, at, at around that time, you could probably have a think about um, maybe Johnson as well, just to reconsider. And, and, and yeah, it's nice, obviously, that we have so much diversity in those positions. Um, but that's the only thing I would say, really, as, as, as a true outlier here on, on this list. I know Dan Yuma is yeah. there, but I mean he's he's not really played enough football. Um, I'm surprised Ducore's not on this list, but he he initially, I was looking had some pretty decent numbers. Um, but yeah, he's obviously not featured here. Um, Eze as well f feels like he's quite low considering he's um, one of the highly touted options. But I also think he's just not played enough football himself either, and also has three great fixtures to come. So him and Saka, I think are those sort of review picks where we would say these are priority transfers in any time in the future, as long as you can guarantee their minutes. And to be quite honest, yeah. obviously both their managers will guarantee those minutes, um, but they are r relatively low, right? Compared to, let's say, the expectations. I think, for example, Formadillo posted uh, a tweet yesterday about what the optimal midfield is. I, I do think it's, it's, I think it's a little bit insulting to Bowen, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, to remove him as an optimal option. I think he's... No, I, I I don't think there. so. I, I first first of all, I think it was a little bit tongue in cheek. It was, yeah. but even if you even if you do want to take him literally, I I think the point there was that he is not on penalties, and you have other options that are on penalties and either have better XGI compared to him mm -hmm. or have lower XGI but are priced lower as well. Well, Saka, so, Saka is the issue though, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think he's acknowledged that as well, that Saka is probably the shakiest one he in is, that. Yeah. And my confidence in Arsenal's attack is dwindling every week. Oh, absolutely. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was talking to uh, someone else that wildcarded with me in game week 10. And yeah. I was uh, looking at a possible transfer down the line of, let's say, Saka to Palmer and upgrading Archer to Solanke for game week 17. Because I think Bournemouth play uh, Luton Town in 17. So that's something that I was looking at, which effectively means I have eight attackers, which I'm not a huge fan of because, you know, it inevitably leads to um, making compromises in uh, one position or another. But if it's, if, if Saka doesn't, like Arsenal's attack doesn't show enough signs of at least getting back on track, I think it's a, it's a good transfer. And, and even someone like Bowen, honestly, but the problem with Bowen is West Ham don't have a lot of good fixtures left after 17. They do have some of them, but they are not a lot of them. And one thing that I was... Uh, when you mentioned Dokore, the first thing that came to my mind is he has gotten a lot of high XG chances. So I just went That's on true. a hunch to XG per shot and he has had the fourth highest XG per shot in yeah. the league. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, because I, I from memory, I was thinking hey, he's got a lot of tap-ins and a lot of like, you know, open goal nice. situations. Exactly. But I was thinking, okay, you know, this is a uh, very anecdotal evidence. Let me try to see if there is some data to back that up. And uh, that kind of shows. So the, the, the uh, out of interest to anyone uh, who, who wants to know, the top three are Avonin, Mope and Isaac. And Dokori is the fourth. So we, we can clear. And Jackson is the fifth, by the way, just to just to go round out that list. Um, would, you, I mean, would, you, looking... would you say that's a good thing, for example? I mean, it seems like that's a good list of players, I suppose. Because even Mope, for example... He just hasn't played enough football, I suppose. So I think his numbers would, would potentially drop, right? Um, and so, he's also um, a superstar, but yeah. But, uh, this is, I think, Trout, uh, fantasy football Trout has uh, uh, done an excellent study on, uh, you know, for example, if you have 10 shots worth 0.1 XG each, or if you have one shot of 1 XG, mm -hmm. what situation should you prefer? 
as yeah. as an FPL player for your players, and it is inevitably ten shots of point one xG because they are easier to generate. So you, it's more reliable. So from that point of view, I think that Dokore's xG is slightly uh, unsustainable for for a player whose historical underlyings are far lower than what they have been this season. And I think that's the similar complaint, not complaint, but similar uh, reasoning that Forbadelo has with uh, Bowen. Yeah. Because Bowen's historical underlyings are not, but obviously it doesn't include change in position and other factors like West Ham being a much better team overall. Because I think players like Kudush massively contribute to that. And uh, while his underlyings have not been great till now, his historical underlyings are pretty good. And and I found that out when I was uh, data modeling for the World Cup, and obviously he was pretty high up on my list. And uh, a lot of people had him for his brace, right? Against uh, I forgot who it was, uh, South Korea or Japan. I, I forgot who it South was. South Korea, I think. South Korea, it, I think. Yeah. Was it Uruguay? Not sure. Uh, one of the, uh, South Korea or Uruguay in that group, basically. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, yeah. So uh, in general, I would prefer players having lower xg per shot than what dokore has but let's see if, if he can sustain that also i was trying to address some uh questions in the chat so uh game week 13 captaincy first of all uh what do, what do you think what are your early thoughts for game week 13 I think it's i'm not touching anyone else yeah yeah because because with with, with son uh, that, yeah, let's actually talk uh, about know. son like just in general because i think yeah review yeah. is very very high on son if anything review has been higher on son since madison has left the team which clearly yes. shows one, of course, the importance of penalties, but also shows it seem seemingly the, I suppose, the lack of importance it places over the lack of creativity with Madison leaving the team, right? So yeah, that's an interesting thing. But also, you know, just looking at market, for example, like market just seems to be relatively high on Sun either way. So it doesn't seem like, let's say, there has been that much of a negative shift um, from from let's say other model sources or odd sources. Um, hmm. that, that means Sun is necessarily so bad of a pick. But yeah, when I look intuitively at, at just being able to captain Holland, um, who I have a lot more comfort over, um, you know, in a KDB, KDB-less team compared to, let's say, Sun with a Madison-less team, I just think it makes a lot more sense. Um, and I think there was uh, there was this discourse on Twitter as well uh, in the last week where, and I'm on the side of uh, where if Madison is out, I think we overinflate a player's importance to how other players perform for FPL. Mm, for yeah. FPL, that is all I'm concerned about. I know that Spurs overall are a worse team, but if I only look at it from an FPL perspective, first of all, the uncertainty about his penalties is gone. He is definitely on penalties. Yeah. Now, the fact that he is not a great historical penalty taker is because I think he's taken them too sporadically. Is also a thing. I think if he were regularly on penalties, I don't know what the effect of that would be on on his record. And the second thing is, um, so the second the the other side of that argument is people were saying that, uh, but you know the team's xG would go down if a player is uh, let's say absent, like Madison, who who is create uh, is the creative let's say fulcrum of the team. But my argument against that is all of those things that people talk about with Madison's absence are I think more related to football than FPL. Yeah, because with FPL, I'm more concerned about that player continuing to post similarish underlings every week, and for example, being on penalties 100%. I think that would overwrite any of the other factors. But again, as you said, all of those things still don't convince me that he is a better captain than Holland. I think Holland is uh, the runaway captain against Liverpool. Uh, 
any interest in Salah because um, you know Salah has also been uh, historically Salah pretty good against okay because yeah. of form. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think just because I, I, I'm such a home and away person, I think I, I, I'm not even considering Salah whatsoever. Um, yeah. But, fair, you know, fair. just to touch on the topic that you were sort of speaking on to, I think, for example, we've seen, you know, United have become noticeably terrible on attack. Uh, but someone, for example, like Bruno Fernandes, his underlying stats actually look pretty much on par with previous seasons. If, if anything, look at his XG now, it's actually higher than last year. So mm. I think definitely the, the argument that, you know, if your team strength has gone down, it doesn't necessarily uh, make certain like, I mean, what I would call, you know, quote unquote, talismanic assets worse, I suppose, yeah uh, because they should still absorb an overwhelmingly high amount of share. And sometimes it actually increases, right, when another sort of marquee player uh, gets injured, for example, like Madison in this case. Um, so that's an interesting topic. In terms of other players here on this list, I think one one thing to mention as well is that some of these players just simply haven't had penalties, right? So, for example, Sun, um, you know, we, we talk about how a lot of these, of these players will, will benefit from getting penalties, right? Because this, this list is obviously just mm. NPXGI. Um, so, you know, if, if let's say you're comparing one player who has good NPXGI to another, uh, then obviously something that can always break that argument down is just does that, does one player have penalties, does the other have not? Uh, and, and Sun, for example, clearly hasn't had a penalty this season. Um, so that, for example, is something where ultimately once he gets a penalty, which he will, right? This is, it's not normal for Spurs to end the season with zero penalties. Um, I think we, we probably wouldn't even care so much about, let's say, thinking about Sun as a transfer out option. Uh, and, and that's pretty much what I have to say on that. Because anyways, his NPXGI has been, you know, probably healthier than in previous seasons, if anything. Uh, and that's without yeah, yeah. and we we have to trust uh, him continuing to overperform his xg because yeah. he is obviously an elite tier finisher exactly. uh, i'm just trying to uh, address maybe some of the other questions we had in the chat so one of the questions is who would you sell from poro or cash mm -hmm. and let me find some more context so because uh, you know we also need to know what the other defenders are yeah so uh ismail if you i don't know if he has put in the other defenders i can't see them but for now, if you if you have three defenders who can basically play the fixtures between now and 18, I would definitely keep both of them. But but if I were to sell one of them, I would sell cash because I'm selling cash. For example, I, I need to get money. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to keep using the same pun, but I need to get cash out of him. And <laughs> I need to use it elsewhere in my team. And uh, that's the only reason. And now that we've had news that Botman is going to be out for longer or you know, he was always out, but we don't know when he's coming back, right? What was the latest news? Uh, apparently, apparently the news is that he might be out for longer, which is obviously once again oh. in that territory where it's super dubious, oh. right? So oh my not, God. Not, not helpful at all to get that news. Um, yeah. But once again, this is what I was talking about where, you know, on my own YouTube show, I was just talking about how whenever a, an athlete is looking or, or doesn't have a diagnosis, it's actually probably a bad thing because it probably just means that they're continuing to look for second opinions. Yes, and that second yes. opinion is about whether he should have surgery or not. And what usually happens in, in these instances is sometimes even if you get that second opinion, um, it might be the case that he actually re-injures himself because he has, for yeah. example, a recurring issue that he hasn't been able to deal with. And if let's say the first maybe one or two diagnoses that that he, that he would have gotten from let's say specialists would have recommended surgery and he's just basically looking for you know sort of another third party solution i i, I do think that's usually a bad sign so given that lascelles is 4.1 honestly i mean i'm very very tempted to still go lascelles but 
I'm in a position where I can sort of let the LaSalle's option be an option and then actually just jump onto LaSalle's from cash and, and maybe lose a price drop with cash this week. And, and, and also to talk about cash, I think one thing between him and Poro is, yes, you can actually technically downgrade Poro to Udogi, but I think the concern um, is that obviously, you know, Poro does justify the attacking upside. Whereas with cash, um, the next best option, I think, is 4.5 million in concert, right? So you're saving either 0 0.5 million if you own cash at 5.0, or if you own cash at, let's say, 5.2 or 5.1, it makes a lot more sense to probably save that 0 0.6 million mm. as opposed to the difference between Yogi and Poro, where um, right now, I think because cash's underlying stats have actually started to trickle down a little bit, you probably don't feel like there's such a gaping gap. The other thing too with Poro is since Madison has come off the team, Poro has almost Egg pieces, been, yeah. been an improved option, right? Exactly, because yeah. he's taken some set pieces. And you can only just even look at the Chelsea highlights. It's a good example of that. Ben Tancourt almost scored. Almost scored a tackle yes. there, um, which I was yes. so sad to not see uh, culminate. But yeah, I mean, that that's, for example, the upside that Poro would bring, whereas Cash seemingly is almost an asset that I, I would say is amortizing, right? Week to week. And yeah, as you said, obviously it's it's team dependent as well. Do you have enough? For example, in the short term, it seems like what what people will recommend is going for either another Arsenal defender or, um, or your first Arsenal defender just to cover the short term, and then later on actually buy around the the game weeks where you can consider let's say other options. Probably James will will, will show up right, and James is actually around the same price point as Cash. At that point, you can maybe just transfer. Um, James in um, but if you wanted if you needed some short-term solutions then obviously I think cash has to be the one to go um, in the short term should we go through the next question in chat yeah sorry so one thing I wanted to mention was I might I'm I because I'm planning to sell cash I also had looked at let's say downgrading cash to Konza which feels like a sideways move yeah but I also understand the reason for doing that mm. so I, I don't think it's anything to be scoffed at but at the same time if um, it's difficult to trust LaSalle's minutes long term, but I still think that if he's, he, for example, he's a good option if you don't own Livramento. Like, for example, I own Livramento already, and I'm thinking twice before committing to two of these. Because it could easily be the case that there's a week where both of them are out of the team, and then you're stuck with basically three defenders who play and two who never play. So that's like a big change in your team all of a sudden. So in order to avoid that, I would just, I would just uh, prefer downgrading let's say cash to someone like Konza and for Pedro Paulo uh, Pedro Paulo taking corners from the left wing or from the left side is crazy because that means that you don't have anyone else who can take as good of a corner because I don't know if people remember but Trent initially in his early years used to take corners from both sides and then Robertson learned how to take as corners as good as Trent so then they basically switched to left side Robertson right side Trent but there was a time where uh, Trent used to take corners from both sides. And I think Poro is, is kind of falling in that category right mm -hmm. now where he is basically running all the way from the right wing to the left side to take a corner, which means that, you know, his delivery is, is, uh, has to be pretty good, right? Yeah, it's funny too, because I think, I think Klopp is, is the type of player who probably prefers, you know, sort of symmetrical formations. Whereas like when you watch Spurs play, like even if Poro was playing, you know, in open play, like sometimes you will see him almost in, in forward-like positions and in left mm. mid positions, like on the opposite flank. I, I've seen it multiple times just because of the way like play breaks up and, and, and where he's allowed to sort of roam in the attack. So yeah, like I, I think it's it's super awesome for Poro. And the only question, of course, is just like, I mean, how, how bad of our expectations can be um, the case for, for Spurs given their 
defensive injuries and suspensions but that's that's also what makes poro such an interesting hold i would say like he, he can only really i suppose improve during this time that madison's out and, and some players come yeah and just to uh, sorry just to round out that question his defense is basically saliba lasels poro cash and baldock mm, yeah so in that case i would definitely look to move cash on yeah. because i think baldock is already a liability you don't want to play him anyway and cash has uh, quite poor ev for the next few game weeks so i would definitely look to move on cash i think poro is a good hold for 18 now i i don't think you need to touch poro now he is just a good hold uh, till till the time you between him and cash i think it's just it's a very easy choice uh, the next question obviously i just wanted to complete that conversation because gabe was saying that uh, where where does darwin fall in that analysis of xg per shot and i was looking at it while uh, we were discussing this and he's actually 54th on that list we yeah. is kind of crazy he's he's he has had 0.14 non penalty xg per shot which is and and for comparison dokore was fourth at uh, 0.24 yeah i guess which, it's because is... just takes a lot of shots in general like you you'll see him bend yeah. finesse like finesses from the left hand side which yeah, is usually yeah, where he drives in from exactly so, yeah exactly that, he's that a volume sense. shooter he he's a volume yeah. shooter which, which is what we want always um anyway you you were trying to uh, find another question right yeah i think uh probably the next question to touch on is um i think ryan's one i think okay yeah let's go for that one would you rather move alvarez and diaby to watkins and palmer or cash and diaby to eze and saliba um definitely eze and saliba um yeah just yep. because you know we, we discussed cash i think you know the, the common one obviously is diaby we talked even earlier on the pod um, about why Diaby's not really a great pick anymore I think being able to tap into the short-term upside of Eze makes sense. And ultimately, you know, Eze can always be a transfer out for Palmer. And also another thing that I've interestingly noted is actually if you, let's say, sidestep Palmer, right? Um, actually, game week 16 isn't a particularly good week for Palmer. So when you look at, into it, technically Palmer could be your Mbumo out transfer around game week 18. Um, that could also work too. If, let's say, Eze seems to be the one that you want to keep mm. uh doesn't actually make sense to to sell him necessarily you could actually just sell him Bumo instead who obviously we know will be leaving um you know to afcon as well so mm. so that's some interesting context i suppose that i've seen on review um but yeah oh yeah i think i, I don't know if he's looked at review before asking these uh, these options oh, but no, no, i no. think just, yeah, just, yeah. No, no, I think, I think uh, Ryan, I'm saying. So, yeah, Ezen yeah. Saliba, I think, is pretty close to what review would suggest for teams that want to move on, let's say, Cash and DRB. Yeah. From, for my team, for example, uh, Saliba is just like every single time, unless I exclude Saliba, he's just showing up in every single solve. Like, all all roads lead to Saliba, basically. And I, I'm probably going to uh, defy review once again and and anger the the expected value gods but uh, it is what it is you know I, I i just don't feel like going saliba now makes sense for my team uh, i just think that maybe going cheaper and and saving cash for future moves is a better ploy great um yeah another question i think case uh, k7 said what what do we do with adingra and martinelli i would actually say obviously martinelli first of all you just have to see what mm. the assessment is with his injury um with what Arteta has mentioned. If you don't have, let's say, Mbumo in your team, I'd probably focus on something like Martinelli to Mbumo. Because um, in my opinion, I think Adingra is actually a very good short-term hold. I would see Adingra as your transfer out for Palmer. And really, you don't really need Palmer in your team uh, until Adingra's fixtures you know, become completely depleted. So 
the way I see it, Adingra is, is a pretty fine hold. Martinelli also, um, I, I just think if you can go from Martinelli to Mbumo, regardless of whatever the diagnosis is on Martinelli, his minutes mm-hmm. are always going to be threatened, right? Because we know that Jesus is back. Um, Trossard is still fit for now. Uh, Martinelli has some sort of niggles, right? And so that, that mm. just means it's it's a lot easier to just save some money with Mbumo in the future and just go for that as a transfer. But you don't really even need to exercise that move until, let's say, game week 14, uh, which also means that maybe, you know, you could even consider um, Eze as well, because who knows, maybe if you save some money from Martinelli to Eze, then actually Adingra can also be in Mbumo, which obviously would be nice because you get the Nottingham Forest fixture and then you get to jump off Adingra if you really want to jump off, uh, jump off Adingra as well. So that's probably something to think about generally yeah again it's weird because this question is also feels like i have the same question for my team and i i am definitely looking at moving adingra on uh in 14 so i would be benching him in 13 because archer has a much better expected value than adingra unfortunately so at least on pure md i haven't checked what it would be on odds um i suspect it would be closer on odds because uh, odds market just you know market odds just love uh adingra but other than that, I I I am on the side of, for example, doing effectively Diaby to Mbumo and Adingra to Eze. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing it the other way around. So I'm doing Diaby to Eze and yeah. Adingra to Mbumo. Same with me. So um, if you have the cash, I would definitely. And if you don't own Mbumo, I would say that doing Adingra to Mbumo makes a lot of sense. But also have a look at you know what the other factors in your team like what other compromises you have to make in order to to get there. Yeah, I think Moe's also asked the question. I mean, Moe sort of raised the point that Mbuma wouldn't be a transfer out because of the double. I mean, I would actually disagree because obviously you have to think a, a transfer is almost, you know, an effective use of a free, uh, of an FT. And, and I've, I've already seen reviews suggest Mbuma out for me on 18 for Diaby. Um, so I guess the confidence is obviously whether you have, sorry, I mean, it's whether you have confidence in Diaby's minutes then. Um, but it doesn't seem to care so much about the double game week for Mbuma because you still have to transfer him out regardless and then also keep in mind that second fixture really is just the appearance points for participating in a game versus man city you're not really expecting a Bumo to sort of fly high um if anything actually the ev um for Mbumo on gaming 20 is basically the very close to the ev that he gets for playing luton at home um so it doesn't actually show that that double game week is that overwhelmingly good for Mbumo, i would say um it's one good singular fixture but it, it just depends on whether of course at that point in time do we have Diaby as an option to transfer into? And if not, obviously, then Mbumo's a very, very fine hold then. Um, but yeah, I think that's just one thing to, to point out too. And maybe also, I think Trini had a great question as well in terms of if you have Dallow in cash, which would you sell? I think you're a, you're a United fan, so you can probably touch on Dallow and, and maybe his expense. Yeah, so for Dallow, um, until last week, I was pretty sure he was going to start every single week and he did uh, with 90 minutes. But moving forward, because... You know, Regulon is made of Vitabix, so I'm not too concerned about Regulon, you know, being being a competition consistently yeah. to Dello. But it could easily be the case that Dello gets benched in one of the easier fixtures. I don't know. I know that they are there aren't a lot of easy fixtures left for United. But uh, if, let's say, Champions League is on the line, right? We need to win at least one of those two games and draw the second one. If we lose one of the two games, we can't qualify. For the round of uh, round of 32 so if so round of 16 sorry if that's the case i think we you know we definitely would need to play dallo uh, for all the champions league games and then that potentially leaves room for him to be benched in one especially because van bissaka is completely fit and back 
again unfortunately he fell ill i think before the game right. so he he couldn't yeah. play but uh i would i would, for example if i were doing this on the review i would probably put his minutes between the champions league games as for one of the midweek games as uh, let's say 70 mm. because i still think that he is the first choice on as a left back as well because i think the order for left backs right now would be dallo region and then lindelof in that order and if that's the case and lindelof is needed for center back as well now because varan i i and i uh, i know that it didn't make the final cut but we had talked about varan uh, in one of the pods that we did uh, in like i think the last couple of weeks i think something has gone wrong there he, he he is definitely moving away i think and it's unfortunate because you know i really rate him as a defender and i just hope that it's not acrimonious like like all the other ones i i think he, you know he he deserves to leave leave on good terms so i hopefully that happens and because that is the case i would expect lindelof to fill in more for center back and that just leaves dello there so not much of a not much of a problem with dello so the other one is cash so yeah definitely i would sell cash in in place of dello because dello also plays in 18 as the cash but i just think that long term because varan is moving away and i mean not he's not moving it's not certain but the, the probability of him moving away is getting bigger and bigger i just think that dello is a fine hold uh, compared to cash interesting i'd probably actually say say the opposite just because shuni has enough money to to still maybe go out of dallo who's a little bit cheaper uh potentially and still go for a 4.8 defender and i think i'd rather just keep cash cuz he does have the better fixture in gaming 18 and that's the only thing i'd say on that whereas with da- like yeah i mean with dallo i i i think for example when we project a gaming 18 i'd be more sure of mm. cash's minutes than dallo's which i think is is if you're thinking about these picks as something you hold until 18 i'd probably a bit more confident about um cash around then because it's like well i mean constant theory can play right back but i mean we've literally not seen it once um so yeah yeah but but you see i think i think the uncertainty while not while not the same is largely similar hmm. so i think the probability of cash missing out because konza plays right back is around the same as a regular playing left back and dello missing out right. in a premier league so what is the update on shaw though so uh the last update i got is from uh, our good friend dr phil okay uh, because apparently his mate asked luke shaw if he's going to be fit and this is so so anecdotal by the right. way so please don't hold me to that but apparently the the thing was that he's going to be back uh, training soon which mm. means that he won't be back for a few weeks uh, soon enough for a few weeks at least okay but you're well, right so like, short in future yes yes yes, yes, yes. Yeah. that's the yeah, that's right, the point i right. make about that yes um, yes yeah well just be, uh, this uh, this discussion was largely academic i think because he just needs dello for one week mm-hmm. so if that's the case yeah i think dello has a better fixture than uh, cash this week i that's mean cool. in the coming week that's uh, some, some mighty expectations for united no i'm just kidding ah. but, um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, nice yeah. to see you see Hunt. Um who are the best cash replacements? I think look, if you're thinking short term it's definitely an Arsenal defender. If you're thinking longer term in reality, I would say it's uh probably actually a City or a Chelsea defender just because for City if you can bench that defender anyways, um you're going to get the value of the double game week. And then obviously for a Chelsea defender, it's just maximizing that swing um right from let's say 16 onwards, I suppose. 
Yeah, makes sense. And I just think if you don't own Saliba, and if you have the cash, just go to Saliba. He's uh, Arsenal uh, defense. We've already discussed this last week on the pod. Arsenal defense has been incredible this this season, and just makes sense to double up on them. Um, if you know, that's why review keeps uh, suggesting Saliba all the time. There's a reason for that, and it's it's because historically, like historically, as in last season, they had good defense. This season, it's like elite tier. Uh, it's it's literally just second to Man City. So I can see that Gabe has tripled up on Arsenal defense. I don't begrudge it to be honest. Honestly, like uh, the way their attack has been going, might turn out to be a good move. The only thing is, you know, they one of them might miss out a game once in a while. So the triple up has to be. I mean, even if the triple up is Gabriel White and Saliba, like Gabe's is, you will get them missing a game once in a while. Right, and I think Lars makes a good point as well. The double game week hasn't been announced yet. I mean, does that? So yes. Are you yes. on the probability or? Because I think I think we're still expecting actually the announcement should come over the yes. next two so weeks, right? What Ben Krellin said was that. There are two like there are two windows where that can be announced. The first window is before the international break ends, yeah. and then the second window is the week after the international break ends. Mm-hmm. So basically, the week between game weeks thirteen and fourteen. Right. That's I think the latest that they are expected to announce. And if that does not happen, then I would probably start shrinking the probabilities on the review okay. uh, for yeah. for future planning. To, yeah. to keep in mind as well, I think he's predicted that it would either fall on twenty or twenty one, right? Or twenty one. So, yeah. So, right so, now so I'm actually, looking at yeah. it. We're not too worried about uh, uh, it so yeah, far, I yeah. say. We still expect yes. it uh, to be announced. I'm looking at the probabilities, default probabilities, and right now they are 80% in Game Week 20 and 10% in Game Week 21. Exactly. So, yeah, our, our confidence yeah. is still relatively high on, on yeah. that double Game Week, um, for now, at least, as things stand. Uh, and obviously, what a masterclass from Gabe to have Ben White um, out of the squad and to get Simicast for 15 there you can actually say that the, there's the the skill element of benching Simicast, but then also the luck element of getting his points, anyways. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you know nice. what? If someone is getting an auto sub of Simicast, I would fine. not begrudge them enough. as yeah. much as you know people starting Simicast. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's all I have to say. Yeah. That's optimal, as they say. Um, no. Oh, sorry. Uh, just, sorry, sorry. Just uh, so yeah, I think Gabe has the perfect triple of them. He has uh, no. I mean, he doesn't have Saliba, but he has Gabriel White and Raya. I forgot about Raya, by the way. Um, because he oh, he yeah. can't play this week. Uh, I yeah. completely forgot about him. Yeah, which is fine because um, I need Wisa to score without Embuma having a contribution, anyways. Oh, no, uh, you know what? Gabriel. I'm so conflicted. <laughs> I'm I'm so no, but you know what? His own uh, the defense EO might be close as close to, to uh, yeah. Plus, I think a lot of people have plus. done cash to Saliba. You know that one yes. transfer, which obviously is problematic for me. So at that point. I'm not really even hoping for anything, I suppose, with this. Arsenal. Exactly. Yeah, I don't exactly, really mind exactly. uh, a cheeky mope a goal or something like that. You know what? If I were um, in my grassier days back back in the day, I would actually bench Gabriel because I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> if I'm going to like get... more though, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. This week it's a problem, but ordinarily, you know, I would just think, okay, I'm betting against Arsenal defense anyway. Let me just bet a hundred percent against that defense. But you know, with with expected value, I I can't do that. Yeah. Um. Okay, so what? Uh, so you guys like so Seahunt says you like guys like Avoni from thirteen to eighteen instead of Solanke. What what do you think about that? Well, I mean, when you look at, for example, the list that we're actually looking at now, right? Which is you know he he sits at around thirteen compared to let's say Dominic Solanke who's on twenty. And to be honest, that's not good enough for me because really their XG per ninety is roughly the same. 
uh, and you know Solanke is a penalty taker. Plus, he obviously plays more minutes of football, so I don't think it's even close between Solanke and Awani. Even though Awani is actually probably quite a good option, and for example, someone like Odson Eduard is as well. I just think yeah. that Solanke is just by far and above the clearest Oof. option to go with. And also, like, why not just start with a perfect fixture uh, as soon yeah. as game week thirteen? Absolutely. I, I think Solanke is clear unless... Is there a price difference between him and Solanke? By the way, I don't know what Avani's price is this season. Uh, I haven't checked. It might be very let, me, let me quickly have a look at uh, strikers. Go for it. In the meantime, I think another question that was asked was um, what, what is our stance on Darwin? I think we touched on Darwin a bit earlier. Gen generally, I think he's become an amazing pick um, as of late. And that's mostly because of Darwin really, I think, consolidating that first place spot um, within that when that Liverpool team. The issue, of course, is just going to be how many minutes um, can you really get from Darwin between 14, 15, 16, when Liverpool literally have three fixtures over the course of like seven days, right? So that's the only concern. But I, I, I think given his price, which is still ludicrously low, I, I still think that there's a lot of upside to go for Darwin. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, just to just to close out the previous point, uh, Solanke and Avoni are of the, uh, same of the same price, so definitely Solanke. There's no competition there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, penalty is ninety minutes. Um, Solanke is is well clear, and and also because we spoke about uh, it earlier, he has Luton in seventeen as well, as well as Sheffield United this week, which means that two of their prime most prime fixtures are yet to come, uh, which is also why I saw a couple of people mentioning that Bournemouth stats are kind of skewed uh, just because they haven't played the two weakest teams in the league. Uh, but I would argue that they are right down there. So it doesn't matter as much because, uh, you know, it, it, their team strengths are relatively similar. Um, sorry, did, uh, were you continuing about Darwin or did you end there? I, I've already ended on Darwin. Yeah, I think, okay, I think okay, generally okay. we're quite high, unless maybe you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I don't think Akpo is, is a realistic competition, uh, except for when he comes back from international uh, fixtures. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, and yeah. I just mentioned uh, 14, 15, 16, the obviously very short delay between the games, but like it, it is worth the punt because actually during that run of fixtures, actually City still has relatively tough games. Watkins has yes. some relatively tough games. So I, yes. I think you can sort of write it off as, you know, Darwin is worth the upside considering he's, he's, he's cost-efficient compared to Watkins. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Um, another question about Forrest defense being an option. I, mm. I personally, I don't think so. I, I, I still think Forrest's defense is, is rather poor. Like if, if we, we can't really compare them to the promoted teams, but they're still very comfortably like, you know, bottom half for me as a defense. I mm. think they were a bit fortunate to get a clean sheet versus Aston Villa, even though I think that really comes down to Aston Villa being horrible in that game. When you can concede, for example, three goals to West Ham. Um, those are my thoughts really pretty shocking. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think Crystal Palace defenders are right there in terms of price points as well. So why there's no need to go for a forest defense. You can easily go for Crystal Palace and uh, their top uh, top half uh, XGC on XGC. Not even top half, they're like top eight or something, right? On XGC. Let me quickly check no, that Crystal, as well. Crystal Palace have actually been really poor in XGC. They've actually fallen out of the top 10 recently. Oh, they have? Oh, yeah, okay. Have. Oh, that's... Yeah. that's okay. But that's, but that's uh... the issue, because I think right now what, what's going on in the league this season is you have, let's say, I think in, instead of actually contextualizing things in terms of rank, it's actually best to actually just look at generally, like, where is the XGC? Like, for example, um, if we just talk XGC, generally speaking, there's like a huge gulf between, let's say, a team like, let's say... Um, maybe united probably one of the i would say bottom half defenses as well this season 
uh, and then let's say a team like West Ham, and then there's a, a huge gulf between let's say West Ham and a team like Sheffield United. So you kind of have to tier teams in, in, in almost in terms of rank categories. And I think the, the the thing with Nottingham Forest defenders is that their underlying stats are still very poor in terms of the fullbacks. So I know even though Aina scored a beautiful goal versus Aston Villa, and that 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 on paper seems good, you know, to, to invest into an attacking fullback, it's like how often is that replicable? And I don't think it's that rep, rep, replicable. So. That's my sort of concern. Um, and if anything, that also speaks to why I think Dallow is, is a sell, right? Because I think United is actually that much worse um, of a defense, unfortunately. Wait, sorry. I, I don't know if you're looking at some other stat because Palace are seventh on XGC. Are they? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I see them as no, nine. No, in, in, in PXG. In, in PXG. In PXG, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, I was looking at NPXG and they're at uh, seventh right now. So... That that is like a good indicator, I think. And and compared to Forest, obviously they are much higher. So for a similar price defense, I would definitely go for Palace defense. That that was the point. I mean, I understand what you're no, saying no, I, in terms I, of. I, the... I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So any other questions? Shall I do? So shall I do Wang to Palmer? Palmer who discord pens. I think uh, if you rewind to the discussion we've already had about Palmer, I, I think there's a lot more to Palmer than just penalties. I know that the penalties have been a big part of his FPL points, but yeah. uh, it is quite sustainable. Like he, his, um, his attacking stats do seem sustainable. And, and that's why I think review, if you increase his minutes on FPL review, he is pretty high on, on, the, on the, a metric that Fran loves to use, which is uh, expected points per million. Yeah. So um, definitely, yeah, I, I would definitely go for him if if uh, if you uh, want to look at a player in that price range. Yeah, he is actually one of the most creative players in the league. You know, just on the small sample oh, yeah. size that we have, so yeah. that's quite beautiful. And and I think in terms of like you know bonus points, that's always quite nice um, in in theory. Yes, 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 yes. And also, I mean, if my memory serves me correctly, he didn't assist Jackson for one of his tap-ins, right? I mean, uh, uh, he, oh, he did, maybe, yeah, he did. He, he, maybe he, he did, he maybe he did. Ah, that's, almost like in a right-back type position. That's, and then, that's a problem. And, and, that's and a problem. Three to four yeah. lines, basically. Yeah, because because that stat is XAG. Mm-hmm. That is why they will consider that assist as 0.8 or whatever that value yeah. is, 0.9 or whatever. Yeah. But if they were to consider just XA, that pass doesn't have a lot of XA value to it because um, ordinarily a pass from that position to a striker in that position would not result in, in a goal uh like let's say for whatever 90 percent of the time yeah 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 hmm. i'm just trying to see if any other questions would you play, would you play... Yeah. Against Bowen? i probably actually you know west ham's attack actually look okay but their defense is probably the the problem point so i i i'd still back bowen to, to do well in this fixture um i think the narratives about him being an incredible away player a little bit overstated if we're being honest but um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, once again, lack of faith in, in Burnley is, is what it comes down to, as more than anything. Oh no, I, th- I think he's he's uh, the question is because he has to like he can't play eight attackers. That's the only reason he's asking that question. But I, I would not bench anyone playing against Burnley. That I think that is out of the question, and unless you know the, every single attacker other than the player playing against Burnley has a better fixture somehow. Which doesn't seem feasible. No, what, anyway. no I think he, he's asking a question because he's got certain defenders that also have really bad fixtures, right? This is Trini's question, that is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, I, I interpreted that as um, him having to play, like, because you can't play two, two defenders. That's why I was asking if he wants to bet against 
So you essentially place Taylor and benches Bowen, expecting a certain outcome. Which, I, which... I think he means like he 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 doesn't have he probably doesn't have Bowen in his team. He's just sort of betting against Bowen generally. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if we had Captain anything Bowen. else. Captain Bowen, what do you think about that? Hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, I, I think no. for me, like just to add some context, obviously I'm, I'm huge into home and away, um, huge onto penalties as well. Um, for that reason, I, if, if I had half of my team, I, I wouldn't really consider anyone else as an option. And that's just pretty much mm. what, what I would say would, would yep. override yep. Bowen immediately. It's not like he's a bad fixture. He's probably a top five asset for this week. But um, yeah, for me, away is probably the thing that sort of turns me away from Bowen. So oh, I had actually an interesting question and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So Simikas now, right? Mm. We both own Simikas. <laughs> what are your updated thoughts now? What Do you think we need to transfer him out after his two tasty fixtures in 16 maybe? I think, yeah, I've actually seen that right as an option because basically what happens, right, is when you when you go into Palmer eventually from, let's say, Ezra and Brumo, whatever you choose to do, mm. I mean, obviously it's probably going to be Eze if we're being honest, um, You'll save a lot of money, and that money will actually help you upgrade Simicast if, if if that's where you want to go. And also, we will obviously see then whether he's played enough minutes for Tim to justify staying within our teams, I suppose. Um, but right now, for example, Simicast is almost like my fifth defender at times, so I don't really mind um, holding him for a bit. And as you said, I think sixteen is a is a good sort of pop off spot for Simicast if if he doesn't seem like he's going to be first choice. Okay, because uh, right now I was also thinking along similar lines in that there is no reason to now transfer him out as a matter of urgency but ultimately he is going to be a transfer out because the fixtures also won't be good enough so not only are we uh, left with you know uncertainty with his minutes we are also left with then bad fixtures so it doesn't make sense to exactly. yeah. hold on to him beyond a certain point also uh, sorry next question is not expecting not not a question but not expecting much clean sheets in gimmick 13 exactly so i think in weeks like these i think expected value is of much more help because that basically does the work for you and then tells you what <laughs> which players you should consider playing or buying because if i'm being honest if I like play out the games in my mind, I'm not seeing a single clean sheet except maybe West Ham. But even that is dicey because West Ham defense is so bad. Hmm. So if that's the case, you know, what exactly are we expecting this week? And and because of that, I'm just going to like trust uh, expected value. And I found that uh, trusting intra-game week reviews uh, expected value has been almost uh, flawless this season. Because it allows you to make such good decisions and then you don't have to regret them. Like for example, Simikas on both of our benches, I know it's bad, but we don't regret it because you know we didn't expect him to start anyway. So exactly. What yeah. else is what else is with it? One thing I okay. wanted to talk about as well for this week is you know generally consider playing Archer as well. Um, it's a very very yes. good fixture. We probably have yes. one attacker who's a little bit iffy this week, and if you do have one of those attackers, then yeah, just think about playing Archer. Um, yes, of course, underlying stats are awful. But this is why you want to play someone who has bad underlying stats and a good fixture because they're more than likely going to overperform their sort of average. Um, yeah. This is the prime fixture for Archer to do so is the only thing I would and, say. And, and that is why the expected value is pretty good for him as well. I yeah, think exactly. uh, that's the highest expected value I've seen for yeah. him. So far, yeah. So far, the first time I've seen him yeah. sort of cross the barrier, four points. Four, um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think next question is... Uh, 
Anthony's question on wild card. What would be my top eight attackers on three five two and three four three? I can probably answer three five two first. And actually, I've I've sort of done a wild card draft video already, and I had two options really. Uh, for me, the locks in my team were Saka and Bumo Eze uh, and Salah in in the midfield. So those are the four that I would always pick. And then in terms of the attacking position, it would always be Holland. So then you're left with two players. And in my opinion, I think there are two pairs that are quite nice. Um, I think it's either Bowen plus Darwin or Sun plus Solanke. Um, mm. was the way I saw it. Um, really depends on how much cash you have, I suppose, because I think Sun plus Solanke is just a touch more expensive. Um, so it really just depends on what you can afford. Yeah, I, I haven't put a lot of thought into it, obviously, but uh, yeah. from what you've said, I'm just uh, I'm happy to second your thoughts on this because obviously you've thought a lot about this in you know yeah. in terms of and, making and content also, about it. Alternatively, you can always go Palmer if you wanted to. Let's say if you wanted to maximize, let's say you really wanted, um, let's say Darwin uh, and even Sun. I suppose obviously you can always you know just go Palmer over Eze, but you you also need to make sure that your defense is strong enough to play. Um, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, for example, Archer this week is really good. If you just want to bench Palmer um, on, on future weeks, I suppose, if you have better defenses, like let's say if you have double Arsenal defense, that can be really nice for next week where you can once again bench Palmer. But it just really comes down to um, how your team is, is rotated. Obviously, Palmer is good anyways on gaming 14 because he plays Brighton at home. But um, you get my general point. I think it's 3-4-3 right now. I'd probably, I probably wouldn't touch it because I still think, for example, on a 3-5-2, given that Palmer's so much better than Archer, and I, I don't really mind spending the additional 0.7 on Palmer. Um, I don't think I would even consider 343 for the time being. And I think one one 343 draft that I was looking at for, let's say, Game Week 17, I don't necessarily think it's viable now, hmm. but for the future, was sort of looking at, let's say, Embumo, Saka, Sala, Son, Eze as your midfield five, right? And then, uh, sorry. I, I'm looking at the wrong one, sorry. So, Embumo, Eze, Salah, Son, Palmer as your midfield five, and then Watkins, Solanke, and Holland. So, if you need to, I have sacrificed Saka in that case. Yeah. Which right now doesn't feel all that intuitive to me, but as we move on, as I said, if this this sort of XG, not even underperformance, but but um, just a lack of XG for Arsenal is going to continue, then I would much rather uh, prefer to have Solanke than than Saka. But that has to like I need to see a lot of evidence for that to happen because again Bournemouth's uh, team strength and team XG is not that great. So you're wholly depending on him getting an odd penalty here or there and then contributing to the to a large share of his team's XG. Makes sense. Uh Lars says he's put his bet on Bowen and skip Saka. I, I think that's fair and we talked about that yeah. earlier. Yeah. In terms yeah exactly. Saka exactly. is that iffy attacker. Uh, in the midfield where I don't really mind if people jump off of him because we've seen enough of Arsenal's attack to say it's not stellar, at least. Um, and yeah, they're 11th in NPXG, 7th in XG. So not not great for Arsenal this season mm. in terms of attack. Mm. And it's not like they have, you know, they, they have played full strength a couple times this season. I know there are injuries right now, but it doesn't mean that those injuries have completely changed the color of the season. The reality is, you know, even for example... You know, out, out the doors, um, game week one, game week two, game week three, when, when they were playing with Havertz, it, it hasn't looked great. And it's, I don't think it's looked any better, for example, the experiment with Havertz, um, sad to say. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So the next question is, who is Salah's replacement during AFCON? I mean, this question is like a long way away right now, but... Yeah. Could be KDB, could yeah. be... Tentatively, 
exactly kdb yeah. bowen basically player midfielders who you want to own but can't right now because of you know obvious limitation of five midfielders yeah uh our players i would look at mm. i think yeah, and also a good point in terms of i think around then actually you'd probably be considering 343 because why do you need to spend so much money in the midfield when yes. salah's gone yes um, salah's gone son is gone exactly son is gone as and well. you can probably so... just go darwin watkins at that time right so Ooh, yeah yeah that's a that, that is one team. spicy forward attack right holland uh watkins and and darwin exactly. my god or, and who knows the newcastle forward might be the option because we talked about it and i think trini raised the point about how he wants to punt on the upside of Gordon as a centre forward. My only mm. concern is that I think Isaac should be back. No, wasn't that sort of our initial estimate that he'd be back after the international break? So that's my concern mm. as a Gordon owner. I, I don't think we might get to see Gordon centre forward. Um, so that's one of the the issues I have. Um, if it seems like Isaac's out, then I think yeah, I'll be tempted to go Gordon and play him over Archer. But if he's not and, and Isaac's back, then I probably would actually do the opposite. I think we have one more question and probably we'll look to wind down the stream as well uh, after this. So, which is better, Son or Solanke or Bowen, Bowen and Darwin? I mean, if you consider that Darwin is going to be benched in 13, uh, I would say the former because Solanke has his best fixture. But if you, for some reason, are confident that Darwin is going to start, which I don't know why you would be, but let's say for some reason you are, then long term, I think Bowen and Darwin is 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 good. It, it makes sense. But yeah. for now, because Son is also leaving for um, Asia Cup, I know it's it's still a way away, and and um, you know the, something else might come up that will force you to maybe change your team structure. Um, regardless, but for now, I think Son and Solanke makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Generally speaking, yeah. You want to take the last one and maybe yeah, then sure. you can... So Anthony's last yeah. question is, was uh, clean sheets difficult to call in game week 13? Is there a good argument to bring a midfield transfer forward by one game week uh, in, in Bruno slash Palmer and delay a defender transfer to game week 14? I think the issue, of course, is that even though the, the clean sheets look bad, it's also like, for example, Mbumo's fixture on paper is bad as well, right? Arsenal's very good defense. Um, so why tap into that? Or, for example, like if we go back to Palmer as a point, yes, of course, like he's, he's a generally good pick, but... Um, the fixtures are still bad for Chelsea. So it's like, why not, for me, like, go into, a, like, if you want to take that logic, I would say take that logic with someone like Eze instead, who actually has good fixtures in, in the short term, even as soon as Gaming 13, or take that logic with Solanke, for example, another attacker who has really good fixture on Gaming 13, and then you can actually justify that from, from that sort of logic. I would always look at it, as you said, in terms of expected value, right? So even though the expected value defense is poor, doesn't mean I should just be going to another player in an attacking position that has low expected value, I would still, um, you know, make that decision based on, you know, the cumulative expected value of my team. And, and, and if that means, for example, you know, going from, let's say, upgrading from, let's say, I, I don't know, for me, for example, in my in my um, perspective, going from, let's say, Colwell versus Newcastle, where Colwell is a slight doubt to play anyways, uh, and Cash, of course, is on the bench, um, and upgrading to Saliba, that might make sense um, if, let's yeah. say, Eze wasn't yeah. an option. But the thing for me is Eze is an option, so that's why I'm going Eze. But as I said, I'd probably actually rather do the Saliba move than, let's say, Mbumo uh, in the short term. And, and that's just, that's my thoughts on that. But, you know, you just sort of have to sort of um, see in your head what you actually think the Game Week 13 fixtures will look like and how they'll play out, and then you can make that decision. If you, if you really think is going to do well, which he has done versus some top teams, um, and the XG has looked very healthy, even for example at Anfield. Then, yeah, I mean, more power to you. Go for Mbumo as soon as possible. 
Yeah, and um, Fran has already said everything that I was thinking of, but just to add to it, exactly what I was going to do as I'm going to do as well, which is bring in Eze. But just because you know your other defenders uh, have terrible fixes, you don't need to bring those transfers uh, ahead. But uh, anyway, you know, we I think we had one of the, the best shows that we've uh, probably streamed. We've only streamed two of them, but you know, after those, I think this was a much better stream. Yeah. Uh, thank you everyone for for um, showing up. Uh, also, you know. As we've already pointed out in last week's pod, 80% of, of you watching the stream, watching the pod, don't subscribe. So make sure you subscribe to the show, you know, like, uh, share it, you know, uh, on podcast platforms as well. We haven't seen a lot of ratings, so please rate five star if you enjoy the pod. I think we'll we'll probably put this pod out, um, except for the, obviously, the muted part mm-hmm. in the beginning of the pod. We'll put that out uh, as soon as possible. But it, it was great uh, chatting to you all. So uh, thank you, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Second, uh, second that as well. Thank you everyone for watching and, you know, have a good international break and enjoy yourselves. Yeah, we'll see you next week with uh, the Game Week 14 preview. Bye.